0: Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. While we continue Superman's battle with the Axis in the spring of 1941, six months before Pearl Harbor, we'll begin by playing the last two parts of the nitrate shipment. Then we'll talk a little bit about the end of that serial. And the start of this next one. And then after we play the first two parts of the next serial, I'll have a little additional commentary on Superman during the war. But let's go ahead and take a listen to the Nitrate Shipment, parts eight and nine.
1: Presenting the transcription feature Superman!
0: <laughs>
2: And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. When we last saw Kent, he and Jimmy Olson were being held at gunpoint in the cabin of a foreign agent, aboard a ship loaded with nitrate bound from Panama to the United States. With them are two English passengers, Dr. Michael Barrington and his daughter, June. The ship is to be sunk at midnight, and as time passes, Kent realizes that in order to save the lives of all on board, he will have to assume the role of Superman, even though it means revealing his double identity. Then suddenly, a ray of hope gleams. Young Pug Flanagan, forgotten in the excitement, has gone to the captain with a report that Kent and Jimmy are missing, and that something strange is going on aboard the ship. But the foreign agent, leaving his henchman, Hans, to guard our friends, has followed Pug to the captain's quarters,
3: disguised as an elderly lady. Listen... Someone is knocking at the door.
4: Good evening, Captain.
3: Buenas noches, senor.
4: Oh, there you are.
5: Oh, me? Yes. Uh, we have been uh, looking for you. We are having a little party in my cabin. Mr. Kent is there and Jim Oh, well, I'll be. We sent one of the waiters to find you, but he said you refused to come.
3: You see, it is nothing at all.
5: You mean to say Mr. Kent and Jim are in your cabin? huh We are having a lovely time, won't you join us? Oh, sure, but why didn't there where to tell me instead of getting tough? Oh, we probably didn't understand. Doesn't make any sense to me, but I suppose it's okay. I'm sorry, I bothered
3: you. It I'm... is not.
5: Good night, Captain. Some... Buenas
3: noches, senora. Buenas noches.
4: Mr. Kent and Jimmy will be very happy to see you.
5: How long have they been in your cabin? Oh, just a short time. Ain't it kind of late to be holding a party? Oh, no, no, not on board ship. We we plan to have a big blowout at midnight. A very big blowout. Hmm. Sounds like a storm coming up. Yes, it does.
6: Now, I must be careful going down these steps. I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, I'll help you, lady. Oh, thank hey, you. Just take it easy. Oh, you're a perfect little gentleman
5: ah, there we are My cabinet is at the end of this corridor Wait a minute Why, something the matter? Yeah, plenty You ain't no dame What do you mean? Just what I said You're just wearing them clothes to make out you're an old lady What in the world are you talking about? Listen, I wasn't born yesterday I had a hold of your arm coming down and steps You've got muscles like a man. Yes, I know
6: how to use them too. Let go
5: of me. Not this time. Oh, no. Ow. Kick me, will you? Yeah, and here's another one. I'll fit you. Stop. Uh, two guys like right. you couldn't me. Now
7: come back here. You will get away. If that's what you think. I <clears throat> take me in our Go ahead. Try. When
6: I get my hands on you. Don't roof. make me laugh. Got away. I was right. Can't run in this outfit. Well, it just means speeding things up a little. Hans, open. You found him? Close the door. Well? I found him, but he got away. Oh, boy. You won't be so happy in a short while. Go up on deck, Hans. Keep a sharp lookout. He won't wait until midnight. I will make contact immediately and tell them to come ahead. Uh. What is your hurry? The boy knows I'm not an old woman. Every minute counts. Give me that gun. You're having a chance now. You'd better give up. When I need your advice, Mr. Kent, I'll ask for it. Until then, keep your mouth shut. Go ahead, Hans. Yeah, I go. Now I want to warn each one of you that from this moment on, I'm a desperate man. If I fail in this mission, my life means nothing. So you see, I have very little to lose. Don't move. If you do... It will be the
7: end for all of you.
2: But even as the message that will hurry the doom of the ship and all on board crackles through the air, Hug Flanagan, having made good his escape, realizes that the situation calls for quick action. Unwilling to trust even the captain, he has equipped himself with a length of rope and is determined once and for all to find out whether Kent and Jimmy Olsen are being held prisoners in the cabin of the bogus old woman. Clutching his coil of rope, he slips silently to the deck above the cabin. Reaches the rail and leans far over.
5: There's a porthole right below. I can see it lit up. All I got to do is tie the rope to the railing, shimmy down, and take a look. I wish this tub wasn't bouncing around the way it is. Oh, I gotta hurry. That storm's gonna hit us soon. I tight enough. can't take a chance of her slipping. Because if she does, I'm a dead pigeon. Okay, Flanagan, over you go. Wow. Almost lost my balance that time. Got to be careful. Maybe I'd better tie the end of the rope around my middle. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Now to shitting down to that porthole. The wind's blowing can't hear me. This is going to be a cinch. Just a couple of feet more. Hey, wait a minute. The porthole's open. I don't want to stick my foot through it. i better slide over a little. Yeah,
7: that
5: does it. I hope nobody spots me when I look into the porthole. Got to be careful. Easy now. Easy. Holy smokes. There's Mr. Kent and Jimmy and that white-haired guy and his daughter flying up against the wall. And that phony dame got him covered with a gun. What will I do? I can only burst the light and give Kent a chance to sack 'em him in the dark. Oh, but how am I going to do it? I know. A rubber band and a nail. It's just as good as a bean shooter.
7: We'll stop shooting us and
5: hang it on to this rope. But I think I can do it. Up your flying Flanagan.
2: Pug climbs back up the dangling rope to go in search of a rubber band and a nail, the atmosphere in the cabin of the foreign agent grows more tense by the moment. Facing what he believes to be certain death, Dr. Barrington maintains a stony silence as he watches his daughter's wan, pale face for some sign of her cracking under the strain. Even Jimmy, accustomed to danger, seems to have given up hope. Only Kent is alert, for he realizes that unless a miracle happens, he will soon have to reveal his true identity and take matters into his own hands. Outside, the wind howls past the open porthole as the ship plows through a heavy sea to its doom.
5: Storm's going to break soon, Mr. Kent. Sounds that way, Jim. I wonder what happened to Pug. I think by this time he'd have notified the captain.
6: Don't waste your time thinking about it.
5: I bet he didn't
1: get away. I'll bet you did something to him.
6: Perhaps. What difference
8: does it make?
1: It makes this difference. Thus far, all you've done is threaten the lives
8: of innocent people. But I warn you, if any harm comes to that boy, you'll suffer for it as you've never suffered before.
6: Wouldn't you call that rather an idle promise? With you in the position you are in? I won't be in this position long. (laughs) Your confidence is very refreshing.
5: Beginning to rain. Yeah.
8: Would you mind closing the porthole? Miss Barrington is getting wet. Not at all. Oh.
6: Oh, I see. It's just a ruse to divert my attention for a moment. Close it yourself, if you wish. No, wait. On second thought, I think it should remain open. Yes, leave it open. I may want to look out in a hurry. A little rain won't hurt Miss Barrington. She might just as well get used to being wet. How much longer have we to wait? Not long. Ten or fifteen minutes. Then what? Then I leave you to your prayers. I haven't bothered to ask, but I assume the
8: plans are to torpedo the ship.
6: Your assumption, Mr. Kent, is quite correct.
8: Don't you think it would be the decent human thing to do to permit passengers and crew to get away in lifeboats?
6: Unfortunately, that is not possible. There must be no survivors to tell how the ship went to the bottom. That you can well understand.
8: I can understand only one thing. That men like you don't deserve to be called human beings. You seem to forget one thing. I gave you ample opportunity to avoid being
6: a part of this. I warned you once before we say it and once after. What more could I do? What
8: about Dr. Ballington and Miss dolphin?
6: They are enemies. It's
5: no use, Mr. Kent. It's no use talking to him. Poor pug. I'm sure something happened to him or otherwise he'd have brought help. Easy, Jim. Only ten more minutes. Stay right where you are, Mr. Kent. Don't move. Now listen. I don't
8: know your name and I don't care to know it but I'm giving you one more chance to act like a human being. What you do with this ship is none of my business, but what you do with the people on board is my business. I'm warning you, Kent. Don't
5: try anything. Look, someone's at the porthole. Down on the floor. Get
7: down.
2: Orange tongues of flame stab the sudden darkness of the cabin, darkness that enables Clark Kent to become Superman and hurl himself bodily at the armed agent. But in a momentary lull in the storm, the sound of shots reaches the ears of Hans standing at the ship's rail. Alarmed, he runs along the deck, only to stop short when he reaches the spot where a rope has been tied to the railing.
9: What is this? A rope, dangling over the side. Someone climbing up it. Good thing I brought the flashlight with me. Ah, it's a skinny kid. The one who got away from me. You, boy! What? Don't bother climbing any higher. I'm going to cut the rope. No, no. And when I do, you will drop into the sea. Please,
7: please.
9: Too late, my boy. Yeah. There. There it goes. Um.
2: Hugs' plan to shatter the light bulb and throw the cabin into darkness seems to have worked. But at a terrific cost. Can Ken Kent, even a Superman, save the courageous boy from the dark, storm-swept sea... Don't forget to tune in next time for the thrilling conclusion of this story with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling
1: installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky. Look. It's a plane. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Presenting the transcription feature. Superman!
7: Superman. Look at the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman!
2: And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. In our last episode, we learned how young Pug Flanagan, in a daring attempt to help Kent and Jimmy Olsen escape from the cabin where they were held by a foreign agent, climbed down a rope suspended over the side of the ship, armed only with a nail and a rubber band. Fortunately, the cabin's porthole was open. Clinging to the swaying rope, Pug shot the nail at the single light bulb burning in the cabin, shattering it into a million fragments and throwing the room into darkness. Shots rang out as Kent, making use of the dark to become Superman, hurled himself at the foreign agent. Meanwhile, Pug, his work done, started up the rope hand over hand. But the shots had reached the ears of the agent henchman, a man named Hunt, stationed on deck. Quickly, he ran to the rail where Pug had tied one end of the rope. In the glare of a flashlight, he recognized Pug climbing up. Whipping out a knife, he began to hack at the strands, trying to cut the rope. Listen.
9: You, boy, no use climbing any higher. I am cutting the rope. No, no. And when I do, you will drop into the sea. Please, please. do let my boy... There it goes!
2: Lightning cleaves the black sky and thunder crashes as Pug, unable to swim, drops like a plummet into the raging, storm swept sea. Through the open porthole of the agent's cabin, Superman's keen hearing catches Pug's last screaming call for help, recognizes it. In an instant, he is on deck, muscles tense, X ray eyes searching the darkness. A shadowed figure runs across the deck, but faster than light, Superman follows him, clutches his arm.
6: Just a minute. I heard a cry for help. Where's that boy, Pug?
9: Who are you? Never mind who I am. Answer my question. Oh, uh, yes. Here's your answer. Oh, my head broken. Answer my question. Where's that boy? You're killing
6: me. You're crunching my ribs. Talk and talk fast. He went overboard. Where? Which side of the boat?
9: Stop it. I'll be back to take care of you.
6: I don't know whether I can find poor Pug in all this storm, but I've got to try. He's on the surface and all he can't have floated far.
7: Up! Up!
2: Like some giant bird, Superman wings out over the dark, turbulent waters, red cloaks streaming in the wind, sharp eyes scanning the surface of the sea for some sign of hug. Jagged bolts of lightning rip across the blackened sky, followed by the crashing boom of thunder. Battling the elements as no one else could, Superman circles closer and closer to the wind tossed water. Each second carries him further and further away from the ship. Hope begins to wane. Pug is gone. And then suddenly.
7: What's that directly
1: below me? A piece of driftwood?
8: No, it's Pug. He's going under.
7: Down. Down.
1: Okay, Pug. I've got you. Ah,
8: he's unconscious. Better get him back to the ship in a hurry.
7: Up, up, and away!
5: He had us all covered with his gun, and he said the ship was going to be sunk in ten minutes. Then suddenly I saw a face at the porthole. There was a crash of glass and the light went out. That's when he fired those shots.
3: And this face at the porthole, you do not know who it was? No, Captain Astero.
5: It all happened too fast.
3: Well, there is one thing of which we can be certain. Those two will not bother us. They are safe in Ireland. But
5: what about Clark Kent and Pug? They've disappeared.
3: I think we will find them someplace on the ship.
5: What about being sunk by a torpedo? If we
3: are hit, there is only one thing to do. Take to the boat.
5: In this storm?
3: What else is there? Come. We will find Senor Kent and this boy you call uh, Pug.
5: You don't have to look very far, Captain. Oh, Mr. Kent!
3: Oh, I'm happy to see you, Senor.
5: What happened, Mr. Kent? I thought, sure, that guy killed you. When the light went out, his gun was pointing right at your chest. How did you escape?
8: Well, I, uh, I guess it was bad marksmanship on his part, Jim. Uh, how are the Barrington? Oh, Miss Barrington fainted, but she's all right now. Oh. Her
5: father's with her in her cabin. Have you seen Pug?
8: Yes, yes, he's safe and sound. That's what brought me up on deck in such a hurry. I heard Pug cry for help. One of our foreign friends was trying to throw him overboard. What happened to that pair?
3: They are both in land, senor. Oh, good. Now we can relax for a while.
8: Oh,
5: no, we can't. Not if we're going to be torpedoed.
8: Jim, you'd better go down to the cabin and stay with Pug. Captain Mistero and I will watch things up here. Oh, gee, can't I be with you? Well, Pug's alone in the cabin. And after what he did, I think he deserves some attention. What do you mean? Well, it was Pug who lowered himself over the side of the ship and broke that electric light bulb. Well, no kidding. That's right.
5: Boy, then he deserves more than attention. He deserves a medal. I'll go right down to him. In case anything happens,
8: call me. I will.
3: A very nice boy, senor. Jimmy?
8: Oh, he's tough. Now look, Captain, Jimmy's probably told you everything, including the possibility this ship may be torpedoed.
3: See, si, but what I am to do, senor. Shall I give orders to turn back?
8: I don't think that would help. I suspect the submarine lying in wait for us won't attack without a signal. If, as you say, the two men are in irons, there will be no signal.
4: All we can do is watch
2: Meanwhile, in the darkness of a forward hole three decks below, a hushed voice rises above the sound of the ship's engine.
6: Hans, listen. Yes. You said some time ago that we have another man on board. Yeah, in the engine room. You think he will have enough sense to find out where we are?
9: How can I tell? I still do not understand what happened. I told you that young swine, the skinny one, climbed down a rope and threw something into the hole. I caught him and cut the rope. At least we accounted for one of them. What
6: good does it do us? Without our signal, Miller, we're not attacked. We've got to get loose and free of these chains.
9: You're wasting your time. Relax.
6: Sure, sure. What difference does it make to you? This is my mission. I am responsible for its success. Do so you know what will happen to me if I fail? Quiet, quiet. Someone comes. Yes, yeah. Uh, I could not come sooner. What have you brought? A hacksaw. This all I could find. Quickly. Start on this chain. Between my hands. Yeah,
7: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, can't you go any faster? you think we have all night? Do the best I can. What is doing on the ship? Uh, I do not know. I heard you on an iron. I come as soon as I could. Yeah, There.
6: Yeah, it's through. All right. Give me the saw. I'll do the rest myself. Go back to the engine room. We we don't want anyone looking for you. When you hear the sound of a gun being fired, come at once to the lower deck. You understand? I understand. Now go. Hold your arms out, Hans. In five minutes, we'll both be free.
7: Pug.
5: what happened after that? Well, when I did the guy who was making out he was an old lady, I figured something was wrong in this tub. Yeah, there was plenty wrong. Two foreign agents had us cornered in their cabin. Well, I didn't know that, but I knew something was rotten in Denmark. So I got me a hunk of rope, tied it to the rail, and went over the side. I'm telling you, Jim, when I saw you and Mr. Kent standing there with that guy pointing a gun at you, I nearly passed out. Boy, I want to... Wait a minute, the... Pug. Uh-huh? Someone at the door. Shh. He's trying to open it. Get into the bed. Maybe the man who threw you overboard. I'll get into bed.
3: Oh, You're asleep, um. Yeah. going to get the problem. No. Come
2: on. We go to the forward deck and give the signal. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't think you will see any light, Senor Kent. No submarine in these waters would carry lights.
7: No,
8: probably not. I thought I heard the <laughs> purr of a motor launch.
3: Huh?
8: Jimmy,
5: I thought I... Look, what are you doing here? Mr. Ken, those two men, the agents, they got loose. What?
3: No, it cannot be.
5: That's what I thought, but they came into our cabin. I made believe I was asleep. Yes? They said they were going to show a signal on the lower deck at the forward part of the ship. Hey, look. Okay. What's that light? Flashing on and off. That must be them. I
3: will put an end to that. No.
5: No, Captain. Leave them alone. Well, huh? You're not going to let us get torpedoed, Mr. Kent. Listen. Hear that motorboat? Yeah. Yeah, I hear it. You're going to pick them up. But see, what are we standing here for?
3: We must stop them, senor. What's that? A
8: gun fired across our bow. In order to heave too, Don't pay any attention to but, senor... Trust me, Captain. I forgot to tell you, boys, that we have a visitor on board. A uh,
5: friend of yours, Jimmy. Well, friend of mine? Mm-hmm. Hey, have you been holding out on me? Mm-hmm. I don't get you, Mr. Kent. Superman is on board, Jim. Superman? No, kid. Where is he?
8: Waiting to take care of these murderers in his own way. You two stand here at the rail so you can see the show. Captain, I'd like you to go up on the bridge and shine your searchlight across the water amidship. But,
3: senor, this is most unusual. I know,
8: I know, but it's the best way.
3: Very well, I will do it. Oh,
8: where are you going, Mr. Kent? Tell Superman, we're ready. The launch is on its way back to the submarine. Now, don't move from this spot no matter what happens.
5: What do you think's going to happen, Jim? Gosh, I don't know. It's all kind of strange. What if something goes wrong? Well, oh, nothing can go wrong with Superman around. You know, I don't get this Superman business. How am the guy know where to find Look, it? Look, I... the church light's on. Jim, it sure lights things up. There's the us up. I can see it. Look, Jim. I see it. And I see something else, too. What? White streak in the water. It's a torpedo coming right at us. Oh, it can't be. I tell you, it is. Look, it's right in the path of the light now. We're going to be hit. Jim, up there in the sky, look. It's Superman. He's diving down. Down in the water. Look at him, like a bullet. What's he going to do? Watch him. He's going after that torpedo. Look, he's got us. Pug, do you see what I see? He's turning the torpedo around, sending it back at the submarine. There it goes! Right into the submarine!
2: And so another Superman adventure ends with the enemies of law and order getting a taste of their own medicine. But there's bound to be something doing when Clark Kent, Jimmy, and their newfound friend, Pug Flanagan, return to Metropolis. So be with us when we begin a new, even more thrilling adventure with Superman.
1: Tune in the next thrilling installment of the
2: transcription feature,
1: Superman! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: Welcome back. The references to the axis in this episode are a little bit more subtle than what we'll see in the next one. For the uh, main clue was that they referred to the British father and daughter as enemies. As we'll see in this next serial, the Nazi angle is a little bit more explicit. Uh, one final word on this serial, despite despite what the announcer said at the end, Pug Flanagan is never heard again on the Superman radio show. So it's a shame because he was a fun character, but he was just one of those one shots. Alright, well, according to Michael Hayde, author of Flights of Fantasy the uh, definitive book on the Adventures of Superman radio show. This next serial was actually adapted from the very first script they wanted to use that the network in 1939 and 40 said was just too hot to handle. And it is full of some excitement, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's take a listen to The and Submarine, Parts 1 and 2. Presenting the transcription feature,
4: Superman! Earth. It's a plane! It's
7: Superman!
4: Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, raise a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth. And justice.
2: And now to our story. It begins far out at sea, deep beneath the rolling surface of the water, where a sleek gray-hulled submarine, modern symbol of America's first line of defense, slips through the murky depths like some giant sightless creature of the uncharted ocean. Inside the steel hull, the voices of its designer, Charles Grayson, and its commanding officer, Captain Denning, rise above the soft throb of its engines.
10: I'm afraid to take a chance, Mr. Grayson.
2: We're down to 280 now. Uh,
11: but, Captain Denning, the purpose of this test run is to prove that she can stand the pressure at 400 feet and, and better. Why, why, I'll take my life on her. I
8: know, but there are the lives of my crew to consider. I'll grant they were handpicked for this test run, but even so, I can't expose them to
11: unnecessary danger. It isn't danger. And even if it were, it isn't unnecessary. Why, ever since the conning tower of the first submersible slipped beneath the surface of the water, Every Navy in the world has been striving to perfect a ship that could stand the enormous pressure at great depth. Well, you've
10: done that. 280 is good depth.
11: I know, but it's not good enough. Take her down to 350, Captain. Well... It's the only way we'll ever be certain.
8: All right, but there's a prayer on my lips. Diving officer. Speaking, sir.
11: Submerge to 350.
8: I beg your pardon,
11: sir? I said submerge to 350.
7: Yes, sir. Well, oh, that's that.
11: You won't even notice it, Captain. Almost 12 tons of pressure on every square foot of our hull surface. But it won't make the slightest bit of difference. It's 300 now. Any other submarine would be a twisted mass of wreckage for this time. 320. Don't stop, Captain Denning. She'll go to 400 if you let her.
8: 330. I'm afraid of buckled fate. All stations, check fore and aft for open seams. Report any leakage at once.
11: 340, Captain. Look at the depth gauge. Can you believe your eyes?
7: No, I can't.
1: Wait. We've sprung leaks. Yes? All seems checked, sir. Yes? No leakage.
8: Very good. No leaks? Everything's tight.
1: Then
11: we've done it. We're at 350 feet, leveling off. Captain Denning, do you know what this means? Our country now has a submarine that... What's that?
8: I don't know. We've lost headway. Engine room. Engine room. Engine room reporting. What, what happened? I... Why have we stopped? I don't know, sir motors are turning up three now. But we're not moving. Rev them up to four.
11: Yes, sir. Do you hear that scraping on the hull, Captain? Was that strange?
8: Grayson, we're still not moving. But the motor's running at full speed. What's happened to this ship?
11: I can't understand.
8: I've had enough of this. Diving officer, Surface at once. We can't, sir. Something's holding us down. What do you mean? I don't know, sir, but we're being held down by something. We can't move in any direction. Grayson, you hear that? We can't go up and we can't move forward or
1: backward. We're trapped. At three hundred and fifty feet, Grayson, trapped.
11: That's scraping on the hull. Listen to it, like like iron chains. Listen.
1: All
8: hands at emergency stations. Close battery room bulkhead. Stand by for further orders.
2: Trapped. At three hundred and fifty feet, the newly designed submarine hangs suspended, as though in the grip of some huge sea monster unable to move in any direction. Meanwhile, back at the naval base, crowds mill at the office of the squadron commander as the bad news travels like wildfire.
7: Now, how many times do I
8: got to tell you the commander ain't seeing nobody? Now stand back there. Hey you. Now, my name's Kent, Daily Planet. I have a special pass. Okay. Now stand back there. Come on, now, everybody. Stand back. Now, everybody, get back. Commander Leeds? Yes. I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet.
7: Oh,
10: yes. Glad to know you, Mr. Kent. You're the young man who helped us out about a year ago, aren't you? Oh, it really wasn't anything. Well, they seem to think pretty highly of you. That's why you're the one reporter on the inside. You know what's happened, don't you?
8: I think so. Grayson's new submarine is down somewhere off the coast.
10: At a depth of 350 feet. And evidently unharmed.
8: I don't quite understand,
10: Commander. Neither do we, Kent. There's something strange about all this. Something very strange. Captain Denning, commanding the submarine, has reported his ship at 350 feet, but he's not on the bottom of the ocean. The water at that location is 2,000 feet deep.
8: Then it hasn't sunk?
10: No, but it can't move in any direction.
8: How did you get all this information, if I may ask?
10: The submarine is equipped with a special deep sea radio sending and receiving set. We've been in contact with it for the last hour. They're probably talking to Captain Denning in the radio room now. Would you like to listen? Yes, I would. All right, this way. Thank you. Anything new, Collins? Captain Denning signed off, sir, to conserve battery. Try to raise him again. Yes, sir. Calling S2V4. Calling S2V4. Come in, please. You'll have to stand close, Kent. The signal is weak. All right. S2V4 back. Come in. Ask him whether there's been any change. Yes, sir. Captain Denning, has there been any change?
8: No change. We can't move in any direction seem to be caught by something. We hear peculiar noises on the hull as though iron chains were scraping against it. Come in.
10: Ask him if the ship is damaged. Is your ship damaged, Captain Denning?
8: No damage. No leaks. Pressure doesn't bother us. We have enough oxygen for 12 hours. Our batteries are getting weak.
10: Yes, Captain. Captain Denning. Wait.
8: We seem to be moving. Yes, something is dragging us. Something
10: Hello. Hello. What happened? He's off, sir. Raise him. He said they were moving. Did you hear him, Kent?
4: Yes, but he said something was dragging them.
10: Calling S two V four. Calling S two V four. Come in, please. He did say something was dragging them. What could he mean? Calling S two V four. S two V four. Come in, please. I don't like the look of this, Kent. It doesn't make sense. It is rather strange. Do you know their location, Commander? Wait. Well, Colin? Kent him, sir. Keep trying. Yes, sir. Come on, Kent. Yeah. Calling S-2-V-4. S-2-V-4.
8: You say you know their location, Commander.
10: Yes, that was the first thing Denning gave us. Two of our salvage boats are on the way. Oh. But what good is the location if they're moving or being dragged? We must have misunderstood him, Kent. I'm sure that's what he said. Something is dragging us. What could be dragging a 5,000-ton submarine? Why not even Superman could do that?
8: Oh, yes, he could. Why? uh, why, I mean, I think he could. Commander, would you give me the location of the submarine?
10: What good would it do you? I don't suppose it would do me much good, but... Ted, I'm going to try something that's never been done before. I'm going to take another submarine down to look for them.
8: But the Grayson ship is the only one that can dive safely beyond 250 feet. Well, that's deep enough. If we pass over them, we can pick them up on the magnetic finder. May I come along, Commander?
10: Well, it isn't customary to carry civilians, but I imagine we can make an exception in your case. Thank you, sir. I'll call and have them prepare one of our fast subs. Uh, Submarine basin, quickly, please. Kent, there's more to this than appears on the surface. That submarine... Hello. Commander Lee, speaking. Get the S-23 ready for immediate departure.
7: That's right.
10: That big dial is the depth gauge, Kent. Oh. We're down 150 feet. The more water ballast we take on, the faster we sink.
1: What's that hiss of air?
10: Pressure equalizer. The pressure inside the ship must be equal to the pressure outside, or these steel plates would crumple like eggshells. They're 200 now. We'll level off at 250. How do you level off? There are two rudders at the stern of the ship. We call them planes. They control surfacing and diving when we're under power. Oh. Now, you see, we're leveling off now at 250. I huh Now, watch this small dial with the red indicator. The moment we pass over anything made of metal, the indicator will tell us how far beneath us the metal is.
4: But how can you be sure it's the submarine? Well,
10: we can't. Well, the odds are with us. i give ten years of my life to see that indicator suddenly shoot. Hey,
4: Kent.
7: Oh. Something's happened. We're stopped. Neither oh. yeah. yeah. well, the ah. motors
8: are going, but we're not moving. Listen, Kent. That's scraping on the hull. Didn't Captain Denning yes. say that... he said they
10: heard scraping on the hull like iron chains. Diving over there. Commander Lee speaking. What's happened? We can't move, sir. We're caught in something. Can we surface? No, sir. Stop the motors. Have all men stand by at emergency stations. Yes, sir. Get the same thing that happened to
8: ship it happened to us. It's uncanny. It's impossible. I don't understand the noise on the hull. Could we have struck a submerged wreck? How could we? We're 1,700 feet from the
10: bottom of the ocean.
8: Commander, is there an emergency exit from this submarine?
10: Yes, there's a stern escape hatch. You can't use it at this depth. Even with a monson lung, a water pressure would crush a man to death.
8: I'm willing to try oh, it. Oh,
10: Kent, you're mad. There's only one thing we can do. release the disaster boy. One of the salvage ships will send the diver down.
8: It may be too late by then. What do you mean? Don't you remember Captain Denning's last words? Something is dragging me. Now, look,
10: Kent, I brought you along in defiance of all rules and regulations. This is an emergency, and I'm commander of this submarine. Like the crew, you take orders from me.
8: Naturally, sir, but if I can be of any help... You I'm... can,
10: by keeping out of the way.
8: May I look at the escape hatch? No,
10: stay where you are. Commander Leeds speaking.
8: Diving officer reporting, sir. No damage to hull. Standing by for
10: Release the disaster, boy. Yes,
8: sir. Now, Kent, there's no reason for
10: panic. The ship isn't... Kent,
2: where are you? Kent!
7: Kent! Kent!
2: Taking advantage of the few seconds during which Commander Leeds was receiving the diving officer's report, Clark Kent has slipped into the stern of the trapped submarine, determined to investigate this strange mystery of the sea as Superman. Will he be able to leave through the escape hatch? And if he does, what will he find in the darkness of the ocean depth? Don't forget,
4: tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look,
7: up in the sky! It's a
4: bird, it's a plane! It's
7: Superman!
4: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Presenting the transcription feature... mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice.
2: And now to our story, which continues today in the office of Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. A long-distance phone call has come through from the naval base. Editor White listens attentively as Lois Lane, star girl reporter of the paper, stands anxiously at his desk.
4: Yes, Yes, go on.
2: Are you sure? I see.
4: All right, Evans. Thanks a lot. And call me if anything breaks. Right. Uh, that was Evans of Consolidated News. He's at the naval base. It doesn't look too good, Lost.
12: What do you mean, Mr. White?
4: Well, here's the story. The Navy sent that new Grayson-designed submarine out on a test dive early today. It went down to 350 feet and then got stuck.
12: Stuck? You mean on the bottom?
4: No, it was diving at 2,000 feet of water. Well, anyway, it was stuck at 350. Couldn't go forward, backward, up or down. But,
12: Chief, that's impossible. Mm,
4: you haven't heard anything yet a second submarine with the head of the naval base, Commander Leeds, on board, went down to investigate. Evans just told me a report came in that the second sub just sent up a disaster boy with a note in it saying that they were stuck at 250 feet.
12: Well, I don't understand well, it.
4: Well, neither does anyone at the naval base. No matter what happens, this will make the biggest sea story of the year.
12: Well, then why hasn't Clark Kent phoned it in? He's covering it, isn't he?
4: For a very good reason, Lois. He's on that second submarine. What? That's right. Evans said Kent got special permission to make the dive.
12: You, you mean... Clark, duck down there at, at 250 feet? That's
4: what I mean. You can learn something about reporting from this, Lois. Get your story no matter where you have to go to get it. That boy has courage.
12: Courage? Clark can't have courage? Why, he's as meek as a lamb and afraid of his shadow. Don't
4: you believe it. Are you white talking? Yes? Oh, they are. Good. Good. Yes, I'll be there. Thanks. Now, that was Evans again. They're sending divers down to attach cables to the submarine Kent is on in an attempt to raise it. I'm driving down to the naval base. It's only a hundred miles from here, and I can make it in two hours. Want to come along? Sure. Okay, grab a hat and meet me at the elevator. Make it pass. On the way. Give me the press room. O'Neill, Harry White. Hold the seven-star finals till you hear from me.
12: That's right. I'll call I
7: think we're on the wrong road, Mr.
12: White. The last sign I saw said 20 miles to the naval and We've been driving almost an hour since we passed it. Hadn't we better ask someone?
4: Ask someone? Now, where in the name of heaven are you going to find anyone to ask? This looks like no man's land.
12: Well, there's a fork in the road up ahead. Yeah,
4: well, I'll go left, and that'll head us toward the ocean.
12: Well, maybe we'd better get back to that sign.
4: Uh, I got a hunch we're on the right road now. Yeah, smell the salt air? That means we're near water.
12: Oh, I hope we're near something. What's that red light?
4: I don't know. Good grief. It's a dead-end sign. This is as far as the road goes. Now, you see? I told you we were near water. There's the beach and the ocean.
12: But no naval base. Now what do we
4: do? Mm, Turn back, I guess.
12: Wait a minute. Isn't that a house up on the hill there? Can't quite make it out in the darkness.
4: Yeah, looks like a house. Yes, it is. No lights and probably deserted.
12: You can't tell. Some of these big summer houses look weather
4: Okay, you might as well.
12: You may be right about it being deserted. Not a sign of life. Everything's overgrown and the windows are boarded up. Oh,
4: no, we're just wasting time, Lois. We might just as well start back.
12: We're almost up the hill now, and there's just a slim chance that Shh.
4: What's the matter? Shh.
12: Listen. Did you hear the hum of a motor?
4: So what? Probably a fishing boat.
12: No, it's not a boat motor. It's too powerful, like like a big electric motor or or a dynamo.
4: Oh, you're imagining things.
12: No, I'm not. Come on, let's get closer to the house.
4: Don't move, either of you. I have your car. Uh, what's this? Uh, who are you? Plan. I'm standing directly in front of you, but you cannot see me because of the darkness. My finger is on the trigger of a revolver. I've warned you that if you make one move that I don't like, I will shoot you down like dogs. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, we understand. Good. Now hold out your hands. palms up. Oh. All right, Hans. Put on the bases. Get him up. What is the meaning of this? I demand an explanation. You will get all the explanation that's coming to you. Lead him into the house with a flashlight hand.
7: Yeah. But remember,
4: I am following close behind you. Be careful. Go ahead. You pay for this. I'll have the police down on you so fast. Please, you... Mister White, don't lose your head. The young lady gives you good advice. Never mind any advice. Open the door, hand. <laughs> Step inside, both of us, and modify with you. You might get the bullet through the back of your head.
12: Mr. White, please do as he says. Oh. Close the door, honey.
4: Lock it. Yes. Now we will turn on a light and see what we have here. Ah, a fetter. Well, a very pretty girl and an old man. Don't you call me an old man. You put that gun down, and I'll show you how old I am. <laughs> this is not a test of physical strength, my friend. What is your name, young lady?
12: Lois Lane.
4: Yes? It's none of your business. But I'm Perry White, editor of the most powerful newspaper in the state, the Daily Planet. Oh, so, you are the editor of the Daily Planet. Ah, how interesting.
12: We we were on our way to the naval base and took the wrong road.
4: What do you take me for, a fool? Jawohl. Hey, doctor. Nun, what is that? i didn't fight fighting in and to bring him. Something for The now, Mr. Wright, you must have realized the danger of coming here as you did.
12: But I tell you, we were lost and we just...
4: Naturally, neither of you can leave this house alive. There's too much at stake. For the time being, however, you will remain where you are, in this room. Very shortly, you will be joined by an employee of yours. What are you talking about? Within less than an hour, you will be joined by a man whom you both must know. A man named Clark Kent.
2: Trapped in the deserted house high on a cliff overlooking the sea, Lois and Perry White stare at their captor in blank amazement as the vibrant hum of the mysterious motor builds to a frightening pitch. Meanwhile, back on the rescue submarine, suspended 250 feet below the surface, we find Clark Kent and Commander Leeds standing at the escape hatch.
10: Ed, it would be suicide to go out that hatch now. The water
8: pressure at this depth would crush you flat. I'm willing to take a chance, Commander. I know I can make it. Don't be a fool.
10: they will have divers down here before morning. We can hold out. It,
8: it'll be too late, then. You remember the last word we got from Captain Denning on Grayson's new submarine? That it was being dragged? Well, that may happen to us at any moment. What good will divers do then? Oh, I can't think anymore. I, I don't know. Commander, there's something behind all this. Something, something sinister. No natural hazard could trap two submarines at different water levels and and prevent them from moving in any direction. What
10: do you think it is?
8: What do you think stopped the Grayson sub at
10: 350 feet and
8: this one at 250? What could it be? I don't know. But there's only one way to find out. Through that escape hatch. Please let
4: me try it. No.
10: No, I can't. I'll be sending a man to his death. I can't do it, I tell you.
4: Now look, Commander... You and
8: I are alone in the stern compartment of this submarine. The bulkhead door is closed. None of your crew can hear what's going on.
10: What's that got to do with your
8: going out the escape hatch? Simply this. I may have to take desperate measures, Commander. What do you mean? I may have to force you to let me use the hatch. I don't want to resort to anything so drastic, but... Oh no, Commander, stay away from that door.
10: Get her out of your mind. Stand back. I'm ordering you to stand back.
8: I'm sorry I have to disobey, but this is an emergency. I'll accept full responsibility and suffer whatever consequences there are. Now, which way will it be? With your help or without?
1: Ken, for the love of Commander Lee. Lock the door.
8: Please. Tell him you'll be out shortly. Commander Lee. Please, Commander. Do as I tell you. Please.
10: I'll be out shortly. Very good, sir.
8: Thank you. Now, what's your decision, Commander?
10: You win, Kent. You're a young fool, but I admire your courage. Go ahead.
8: Thank you, Commander. And now, I want your word as an officer and a gentleman that you'll make no attempt to stop me.
10: You have my word. Good.
4: How does the escape hatch work? It's a steel cylinder
10: running through the stern of the submarine. Yes, there are two circular doors, that one you see ahead of you and one on the outside of the hull. I see. You enter the cylinder and I close the inside door. I then force the hull door open with compressed air and... And and I'm out. Yes. You're out. All right, let's go. Now, wait a minute. In that starboard compartment, you'll find a Monson lung. I
8: won't need it, Commander. Get it's the one
10: chance in a million you've got. How else can you breathe going up through 250 feet of water? Okay is it? Yes. It fits over your mouth and nose. Huh? Be sure to turn the oxygen valve the moment you get into the escape hatch. Put the lung on now. You can keep the mouthpiece up until you're ready.
4: Yeah. I don't suppose I look very pretty in it.
10: Don't joke, Ken. Please don't joke.
4: I'm all set. Open the hatch. Now oh, climb in there. Is that it? Yes. Okay. Here it goes. Goodbye, Commander.
10: See you soon. Goodbye, Kent. And good luck. May the Lord forgive me.
2: Unaware that Clark Kent is in reality Superman, Commander Leeds stands at the escape hatch as the air pressure builds up and opens the hatch to the sea, certain that he has sent a man to his death. What will Superman find in the darkness of the ocean depth? What is the mystery of the disabled submarine? And two, what is the mystery of the deserted house where Lois and Perry White are held captive?
4: Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman! Look,
7: up in the sky! It's
4: a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: Welcome back. Well, you kind of see what I said about subtlety pretty much going out the window with all of the uh, Yavoli, and it will become more obvious. But, overall, this is actually just very suspenseful, and some of the best writing we get on the Superman serial. This one's also a pretty... Uh, tight serial, and we'll actually wrap it up tomorrow. Something I did want to talk about briefly, we played a couple episodes on the war about uh, Superman now, is how the writers dealt with a couple of problems with Superman. First of all, Clark Kent was of age to uh, go into the service and certainly would have been subject to the draft. And if America really had Superman on its side in uh, World War II, The end would be wrapped up kind of like the Look magazine story. How did they end up uh, addressing that? Well, the comic strip dealt with Clark Kent going in for his induction exam and him getting distracted during the uh, vision test and reading the uh, eye chart on the wall in the next room, leading the... uh, Physician to conclude he was blind as a bat. So that's why uh, he didn't end up going in the military. And as to Superman actually going off to fight World War II, there was actually a story in the comic book where Superman took part in war games and the side he was fighting on lost. He delivered a great patriotic oration about the courage of those going overseas to fight no matter what the odds and to prevail thus the creators of superman sought to strike a balance with superman providing escapist fantasy and inspiration to people home and abroad without in any way diminishing the real heroes who were laying their lives on the line well that will conclude today's episode of the war join us tomorrow for our final excursion of superman versus the axis in the meantime Send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. If you would like to share your experience or that of a loved one during World War II, please email your stories to box13 at greatdetectives.net. We will consider all stories to be shared on the air. We also welcome your suggestion as to future programs. This program is dedicated to those who fought and died in World War II and is presented as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio greatdetectives.net The opening theme is The Heroic by Ken Curlin kencurlin.com